Welcome to Show Me Something Wrong, where each episode one of us chooses a movie to watch that the other hasn't seen. The movie is usually odd. Odd. Often obscure. Uh, often obscure, usually odd, and always wrong. That's I'm it. Dave. And I'm Guy. And this time, I've chosen the movie, and it is Soft Skin mm. from 1998, directed by <gasps> Hisayasu Sato. And this is the first episode of 2024. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thanks for bearing with us. <laughs> I wonder how many return, returning listeners we have. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when did we start? 2022? Was that, was that when we started this? I can't remember. Sometimes. I think it was that? Yeah. I, want to say I thought you meant, I wonder how many listeners we've lost since our last episode well, wonder... about Dog and Art. Oh, yeah. That's, that's another point. They probably, you know, increased gradually throughout, you know, from 2022 <laughs> to 2023. And then they dropped rapidly after our previous episode. <laughs> All, all went up. You never know. You sick fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I have that only for us recording this today. That came out yesterday. Mm. I've already got a few messages from people gagging to see dog lovers. A few dog lovers. Or yeah. aren't lovers. No yeah. judgment. Yeah. A little bit of, little <laughs> yeah, bit little of judgment. judgment. <laughs> a little bit of judgment. <laughs> all right. Yes. So today we're talking about soft skin. Mm. The Japanese title. Yawarakai Hada. Sexy. <laughs> and this is our, I think, yeah, no, this is our first returnee director. Oh. Talking about Dog and Art, our first bestiality themed film, Name Means Yes, directed yeah. by Sato, way back, I think that's like episode four. That's an early one, yeah. Yeah, that's, an, that's a very early one. So yeah, welcome back. Sato. Sato. <laughs> Leave and, it up to Sato to make two appearances. <laughs> I, I've been wanting to do another one of his for, for quite a while. And yeah, I chose this one because it is one of my favorites, but mm. also because I, I think it's something that really stands out in his filmography. It's quite mm. different from his other work. But I know that you have been watching a lot of Sato yes. recently for reasons we'll find out maybe next week. Okay. Uh, but- Tell us, what have you been watching? What have you enjoyed from, from Sato Let me check the old letterbox. Because I'll tell you what, I'm terrible at writing reviews. I don't write any reviews. And I've spent like, I don't know, despite being a, a letterbox user, man. a letterbox man <laughs> for a few years, I just, I can't stand logging my thoughts because they always come out as fucking gibberish. And I'm always like, mm. I don't know what the fuck I'm writing or talking about. And I still don't know. I'm terrible with leaving my thoughts or putting my thoughts into words. I'm not the best person who should be doing a podcast, you know? No, you're good at, you're good <laughs> but, at putting um, it in verbally, at least. Verbally, not, yeah. not into writing. And when I have tried, I'm just like, nope. Don't know what the fuck I'm trying to write here. So anyway, so I've I've not written any reviews for a long time. The thing is with Sato films, and we spoke about it uh, previously in the past. You know, the films always get their alternative title. Uh, they have their their main title or the re-release title or the Sato's uh, preference title, and then you have the title that was added for the Pink Cinema release, and they're always so 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 similarly named. You know, like O L. Big tits, rape, victim, thrusting penis. 
<laughs> Something like that, right? You should be the guy that names pink films. That was very good. <laughs> so, so because all of these titles are so similarly named, I was like, I need to just start yeah. writing down a few notes so I can at least like differentiate them or remember them in my own mind. So I've uh, I watched I've rewatched a few films. Uh, first one to kick it off was Pleasure Kill. Great film. Which I fucking love. That's like the original version of Naked Blood, right? Yeah. Yeah, which I think is... I don't know if I'd say it's better, but I think it's a better representation mm. of what Sato is like as a filmmaker. Yeah. Just grim. It's, it's, it's very, grim. very dirty, yeah. dirty feel to it. But, you know, I, I do love Naked Blood as well. I rewatched that as well. I love how Naked Blood has, you know, um, Sato Abe in it. He's great mm. in that. And, of course, Yumika... She's great in it. You know, the Yumika. the original. Rest in peace. Love you, Mika. Pleasure Kill doesn't have those people. So, you know, there are a few things that I feel lacking if I am comparing it to Naked Blood. But it is, yeah, like you said, a much better representation of Sato's work. I also watched Office Lady Rape Disgrace. <laughs> That's a very early one, right? Mm. That's like mid-80s. Mm. I, I really love that film because I think... I don't know if you noticed watching it, it his mid-80s stuff mm. is very different to his 90s stuff. It's, right. it's much more like punk right. in the aesthetic, and mm. it's got, not that film, but some of them are a bit funnier as well. They're a bit more slapsticky. Right. Um, yeah, I, I really love that film, though. That's great. This was great. This is a very kind of, like, I don't know, solemn, sad tale. Not so, mm. like, in-your-face blood, guts, and rape. Mm. It was, you know, it, was, it had a sadness to it, which, mm. which mm-hmm. I liked. Uh, did that. What else did I do? Celluloid Nightmares. That's my Knock personal out. favorite. Mm. I love that film. That's a very kind of uh, Peeping Tom-esque movie. Yeah, yeah. I feel like with that one, if you... For me, that's the one where it's like, if you want to understand mm. who Sato is, that's the one to watch. Because it's got everything mm. that he obsesses over in that one right. film. Oh, I fucking love that film so much. That was great. Uh, <laughs> this fucking title... Pleasure Masturbation New Wife Version. Fucking love that film as well. That's in my top ten. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I really love that one. Interesting, yeah. Oh, and a new film of his, Hanadama. Yeah, that's an interesting film. Which, like, I really enjoyed as a kind of... As a human drama, and then all of a sudden... A lady sprouts a flower from her head yeah. and gains, yeah. like, psychic powers after 80 fucking minutes of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was bizarre. <laughs> but uh, Kei Fujiwara in that was absolutely mm. incredible. I've not seen a film of his that I have disliked mm. so far. I yeah. know they're not all great, but from what I've seen so far, they're all pretty damn awesome. Yeah, I've seen everything that you can see by him that's available, mm. as far as I know. Although we might be seeing a few more soon. (laughs) I don't want to reveal too much. I feel like we've already revealed too much. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that next week, maybe. But um, the only one of his that I properly don't like is... Oh, my brain's going blank. I think it's called Shisei the Tattooist. Is that the name? Yeah, something like that. Let me just double check. Yeah, Shisei the Tattooer. From 2006. It's the only one of his films that... I don't know. I just found it really pretentious. Mm. And some of his films do get a little pretentious. Mm. But but the good always outweighs the bad. That mm. one, not so much. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Check it out and see, see what you think. I probably won't. 
you know, because there's so many films so many other ones, that yeah. I want to see that I've heard from so many people are amazing. Yeah, that I've not managed to see yet. So I will, I will prioritize the good ones. Yeah, before yeah. the pretentious nonsense ones, and obviously. The old films, you know, are his heyday. If we go back mm. to the eighties, nineties, that's when Sato was fucking Sato, definitely. And yeah, there's so much to watch. Like, there's mm. like what, like seventy films or something that oh, he's Jesus. made. I think something like that. Before we get into the actual film of today, I've not seen any of his uh, gay pinkus, which I've heard are very good. There are some fantastic ones. I nearly chose one of his gay pinkus to do mm. instead of soft skin today, but. I decided to go for this one mm. just because it is so dramatically different mm. from his heyday, which you mentioned. So yeah, his his heyday is like the early to mid nineties, kind of his his best work, and he he just made so much stuff back then. But this is from much later. This is his fiftieth film Ooh. that he's made, okay. and it's uh, from nineteen ninety eight. Right. So I remember when I first saw this, I kind of went into it with a bit of trepidation because mm. I'm like, uh, it's past his heyday. I don't love a lot of his stuff from from after that period, mm. but it ended up being one of my favorites mm. of mm. his of his films. So, Soft Skin. Last time we talked about whether it was a pink film or not, very briefly, because mm. you were like, "Is it a pink film?" I'm like, it's not a pink film, but it kind of is, and it kind of isn't. Right. So, well, let's get into that first, okay. maybe for this film. Mm. And it's very fucking complicated. All right, I'll just <laughs> lean is, back and let you talk to me. Yeah, this is going to be quite a tangent. I'll try to keep it as tight right. as I can. So this film is a co-production between Kokue and Shintoho. Right. Both pink companies. Very prolific pink companies. And both companies that Sato worked with many, many times. So Kokue is one of the earliest pink studios and produced a lot of well-known pink films, especially in the 60s, mm. and still apparently operates today. Huh. I don't really know what they're putting out today, but they still exist as a company. And Shin Toho is a very fucking weird story unto itself that I thought might be worth talking about how they came about. Okay. Do, you, do you know much about Shin no. Toho? No, anything about This them. is a mind Right. Or at least yeah. I found this a mindfuck. And I want to give a big thanks to friend of the pod, Alex, hey. who essentially just broke this all down for me and asked, a- answered all my dumb questions about oh, nice. this. All right. So let's go right back to the start. So Shin Toho, obviously the name translates to the Shin is new mm-hmm. and Toho is Toho, the very, Toho. very famous, iconic uh, film studio. So let's go back to post-war Japan. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> back in the 40s, obviously a very economically difficult time for Japan. And at that time, there were the three major Japanese film companies. So you had Toho, mm-hmm. you had Shochiku, mm-hmm. and you had Daie. They all unionized. Un- uh, un- unionized. Unionized. <laughs> so weird. That sounds wrong. They all unionized. <laughs> And they began striking because it was right. such a, a difficult time, right? The Toho strikes in particular became very fucking intense. Right. Yeah. And there were three big, massive main strikes that, that made up this period. I found this really hard to wrap my head around because yeah. it doesn't, it still doesn't quite make sense to me. But sometime after the second strike mm. that was happening in 1946, the anti communist and strike opposers that were part of Toho, Mm. were rewarded by Toho with their own offshoot 
company. Right. Which was Shin Toho. Right. So they were like, you guys, you guys are good, good boys. <laughs> here's, here's your own company. Wow. It's baffling, right? That's what I, 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 that was the part that I struggled with the most. And I had to ask That's Alex insane. about that like about yeah. 10 times yeah. to, to clarify it. So then after they were given this company, there was one more strike in 1948. And this lasted for months and finally ended when the US Army showed up what? to the Toho studio gates, <laughs> the barricaded <laughs> gates with tanks. And what? military police. So that's that's what brought it to to a close. The U.S. Army yeah. turned up at Toho. Toho, yeah, at the movie company yeah. Toho to stop the strike. What the fuck? I know it's fucking crazy. <laughs> so after this, all the communist uh, sympathizers and the strike leaders were fired from Toho. Oh shit! And Shin Toho, the new the new company that was formed from anti strikers. At this time, they relied really heavily on Toho for distribution and exhibition. But in 1950, they became an independent company, mm. independent from Toho. And ironically, many of the leftist ex-Toho employees came to work oh. for Shin Toho, ah. which started as like this anti-communist, anti-strike right. company. Pretty fucking crazy, right? So then in the first half of the 50s, Shin Toho was producing a lot of like left-leaning productions because they'd taken oh, wow. in all these like communist mm. sympathizers. But I guess people were not that interested in the left-leading stuff. So the company quickly moved out into exploitation. and uh, getting a bit more like it. <laughs> made a lot of ghost films. Oh, spooky ghosts. Uh, so, for example, Black Cat, Cat Mansion, great oh, yeah. film. And The Ghost of Yotsuya, mm-hmm. both by uh, Nobuo Nakagawa. And they made nationalistic war films and early Pearl Diver films. Oh, well. Amazon. So this went well for for a time, but ultimately the company went bankrupt hmm. in 1961, and their last production was the 1960 film Jigoku. Oh yeah, which is also by Nakagawa. So the reason why it went bankrupt is not exactly clear, but it's probably very much connected to television right uh, appearing, which saw a huge drop in cinema goers. Hmm. So. We've had these, we're at the next stage now. So okay. the company's gone bankrupt. Yeah. Shintoho's fucking done. Yeah. But after the bankruptcy, two new companies were formed okay. in its place. So we've got the company splitting into two. We've mm-hmm. got ok- Okura Ega. Right. Which would soon become OP Ega. Oh. Do you know, you know OP Ega, right? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. that they partnered with five of the other pink production companies to make OP Ego. Right. And that was formed by Shintoho's former president, Mitsuru Okura. So that was one. Mm. We have Okura Ega, which would become OP Ega, and Shintoho Ega, mm. which was formed by Koichi Goto, who was a Shintoho employee in Kansai. Hey. He worked at the Kansai office in Hi. Osaka. And he bought the rights to the name of the company. Mm-hmm. So I think the OP Ega guy maybe got the facilities mm. and the Shintoho Ega guy just got the name, basically. Right. So both of these, like, had split off into two and both of them started making pink films. Okay. The reason why they, that pink films became so big in the 60s is also kind of a mindfuck. So, oh, we haven't explained what a pink film is, but we did do that back in uh, episode four, right? We can assume that people know what pink films are. Uh, sexy films, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially, they're films that played in in theaters that for pink films, mm. for sexy films. They're all about an hour long and have 
a certain amount of sex scenes in them, mm. just as a quick nutshell version of what they are. Most of the time, not real, but occasionally. Every real, now and then, yeah. you never know. So if Sometimes you wanna, they it, have it, dogs. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> Let's not. Let's not talk about dog and art again. If you want a more <laughs> detailed explanation of what a pink film, mm. film is, go back to episode four, The mm. Name Means Yes. Um, but anyway, so both these companies made pink films, and the reason why they moved into pink films. So Japanese film productions peaked in 1960 mm-hmm. with 547 films produced domestically. Wow. But at this time, TV came out, right? Mm. So there was a big drop in audience numbers, and productions also dropped at this time. So everything was dropped by about 35%. Right. But the number of screens, like the cinemas, only dropped by about 10%. Right. So there was this desperate need for films. Right. They were undersupplied because mm. they had all these screens that got nothing to do with them. So this was the environment that kind of, you know, the pink film started to flourish mm. in this environment, which is pretty nice. The first year for pink films was 1962, with only about three pink films getting made. But because they were so easy to make, it was like a fast turnover, low budget. By 1965, pink films made up about 213 films oh. of like the domestic film oh, output wow. in that year. Isn't nice. that fucking That's nuts? Insane. That's crazy. And I think they were they were also quite popular because you couldn't see these on, mm. on TV, obviously. <laughs> like, this could not be screened on TV. So that is why Shintoho, this splitting off from this company before, that's why they started focusing uh, on pink films. And I think they still exist today, still wow. occasionally pumping out mm. a dirty pink film. <laughs> so that was quite a long tangent to go on. But basically the message is there. So this film, Soft Skin, is a film that is spawned from two pink production companies. Okay. It's directed by an infamous pink director, yeah. Sato, and it stars many, many pink mm. and pink-adjacent actors mm. as well. So with all those things considered, mm. it would make sense that we would call this a pink film, right? Yes. But it gets more complicated. Okay. So even though it's got all those things produced by pink companies, this was screened in both pink cinemas and mainstream cinemas. Huh. Came out in both. And it also has a lot of attributes that don't really match up with a typical pink film. Mm. So, for for one, a pink, typical pink film is about an hour. Yeah. This is 80-something minutes, mm. so it's a bit longer. There's also... There's sex in this, but it's not relentless, right? Mm. It's not really the focus of the film. And it takes a pretty long time before we even get a sex scene, yeah. which is not how pink films work. It's kind of like every 10 minutes or whatever. Here Normally we go. the opening credits are rolled on top of an opening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it isn't really the focus. And also this film, it's graphic, but I would say it's no more graphic than a kind of racy mainstream sure. film, right? Yeah, yeah. Bit of eyeball looking, but nothing, uh, nothing too uh, crazy. Uh, <laughs> so if I had to define what this is, I, I would say it kind of lives in this weird space between pink and mainstream. Sure. And I noticed a, a lot of the Japanese reviews I read of this had this that kind of problem with it, where it's like, what is this film? Right. It's like, it kind of feels like a pink film, but it's not as well. Mm. So it doesn't please anyone except us. I heard, I read a couple of negative Japanese reviews about mm. this, where they're like, like, probably for the same reasons, it's not this or that. And for yeah. that reason, it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. I felt the complete opposite. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too, yeah. 
Yeah, it doesn't seem to be a very well-reviewed film. Really? Oh, <laughs> no. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, no, it's it's fantastic. It's one of my favorites. All right, shall we get into the film itself? I think we should. So I've got a whole lot of things to sprinkle in. I bought Ooh. the cinema pamphlet for Ooh, this. Oh, nice. Which had a nice little interview with Sato in it. So hey. I've got some extra tidbits. That's what they call them. To put in. All right, so we open up in a quiet residential area mm. of Suginami Ward, mm. which is a, a Tokyo suburb. And we meet Minako Tono, played by Moeko Ezawa. We'll get to her in, oh, okay. a, in a moment. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so she's a, a 49-year-old housewife. <laughs> she was closer to 60 when she filmed this. but Yeah, she doesn't yeah. look 49 in this. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, she's... In there, she's watching TV. So, yeah, do you do you know much about this actress? And then she's the Roman porno actress. She's like a veteran Roman yeah, porno yeah. actress. Yeah, yeah. She's right? a yeah big-time Roman porno actress. She's famous for her work with Tatsumi uh, Kumashiro. Do you know him? What so did he do? He, he is a man who has made many, many Roman pornos with very wet titles. Like, oh, Woods fun. Are Wet. The Woods Are Wet. Wet Lips. And lovers are wet. Jesus, <laughs> she's in all of those films. Okay, he really he really likes the the wet titles, but yeah, she's also like you know she's a prolific actress. She's in films by Takashi Miike, Takeshi Katano, mm. Shohei Imamura, and Juzo Itami. So lots oh, and lots of she's worked yeah. with like a lot of big big uh, mm. directors. And yeah, she was born in Hyogo, so pretty close mm. to, to where we are in 1939. And she only died quite recently oh, in really? 2022. But yeah, she is really great in this film. She's lovely. Yeah, I <laughs> really love her. She has such a kind of film. earnest yeah. thing, like spirit about her. Yeah, you yeah. really root for her. She really adds a lot to this. Mm, yeah. So she is watching TV. And the show is called Crime Information Bureau, The Wanted, <laughs> all in capitals and written in English as well. And the show is hosted by Minako's eldest daughter, Asuka, played by Tomomi Kuribayashi. I don't know a lot about her, but she's in a lot of V cinema. Mm. And she also appeared in the Sato film Night of Bodies Model, which I know that you're oh, a big yeah, fan I of. That recently. But yeah, she's not in a, in a huge amount of stuff. So she she's the host of the show, and also featured on the show, we have three very special commentators. One more oh, special than two of them. Dude, we've got. I tell you what, just to jump in, yeah. there were so many times in this movie which I, when I was like, I can't believe this person yeah. is in this movie, like relentlessly. Mm. I'm actually hoping that you can help me with some of the people in this because there are people that are listed in the credits mm. that I didn't spot. In the film. Right. So, we'll, we'll see if we, we get to them. There's a lot of fucking cameos in oh, this. Oh, yeah. I think a that's probably lot. the only thing I can bring to this episode. Oh, that, it's just me being like, no, oh, look at this guy. <laughs> no, that, that is great if you can help with that. So, the three commentators, I'll leave the best to last. We've got uh, Zico Uchiyama. Yes. Oh, you know about this guy? Oh, good. Yes, do you? I'm glad that you do. No, I don't. I know oh. that he's in Toxic Avenger 2. Yes. That's all I know about him. Wow. Tell me about him. Well, so, oh, this, this is a bit of a rabbit hole. Okay. So, yeah. Jiko Uchiyama, right? Oh, that's how you pronounce it. Jiko Uchiyama. Okay. But that's because his name is written in katakana. It's like stylized. So, right. so, because it is stylized, his like 
online database entries are always a fucking mess. Right, so right. So there's multiple profiles for him. Sure, okay. So, but yeah, his name is uh, Jiko Uchiyama. He is primarily an actor. He never plays, like, a big role, but he often plays, like, these small cameos or supporting roles. He's been in Rubber's Lover. He's really? quite a big role in, in Rubber's Lover. He's in Tetsuo 2. Holy um, shit. But, f- and as you said, Toxic Avenger Part 2 as well when they come to Japan. But... One of the uh, most interesting things, I guess you could say about him, is he has a alternative persona. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so as uh, as an actor, he goes by uh, Jiko Chiyama, but he is a director under the pseudonym of Sasori Kantoku. Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. So Sasori uh, being the Japanese word for scorpion, but. Also, being the character name for Kajimeko in the Female Prisoner series. Right, right. Mm. And he dresses up as Kajimeko. What the fuck? Yeah, so, you know, in Female Prisoner, Kajimeko has that big black hat with the long hair. Yeah, yeah. So he puts on a wig, (laughs) wears, like, these long black clothes with this big black hat, and they just call him the the Scorpion director based <laughs> off this fucking image he took of Kajimeko. So under the um the persona of uh the direct the Scorpion director, mm. he made a film among others, but he's made one which I have called The Privates of the Soul. Right. As in privates as in genitals. Yeah. Like that, that privates. And it's just fucking bizarre. <laughs> yeah. And I've I've thought about doing it for the pod, but it's just I mean it's real Real, like, amateur, low-level, <laughs> like, get your mates together and kind of try to film something sure, without sure. any sort of production value whatsoever kind mm. of thing. And there are some scenes which are really fun, but there are some real, like, hammy, dragging scenes. Mm. But, um yeah, he's a funny guy. I actually have mentioned him to you before um, because he did a, a disastrous uh, crowdfunding campaign... <sighs> Oh, this guy! Yeah. Fuck, I remember you showed me... Oh, fuck! Yeah, 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 yeah. Now it's all coming back to me. Yeah, Yeah. so he was trying to get his new film crowdfunded. His new film was called um, Salu Gorilla Chimpanzee. Mm -mm. Something like that. And he made this, like, big old crowdfunding, asked for a ton of money, and just, like, walked around the street, like, with with a phone filming like cast members just being like please support us yeah i remember you showing please me give us money videos. yeah Yoroshiku. and and it just just looked and felt awful mm. and there was no information about the film and there was no production value in the in the actual like uh, campaign itself and i was like mate who's who's really gonna give you yeah. money? and he sent me a message because i spoke to him a few times and he was like here's the link to my new crowdfunding and i was oh. like yeah i saw you know holy shit anyway so he makes some funny movies he's a funny fella he's a funny fella but primarily i know him from rubber's lover wow i'm so glad that you knew about him because he he was the one of the three that i couldn't find out right about like googling him i guess as you say like his name is uh hard to sure to search for right and he looks like seeing him in the film it's like you know He's an interesting guy because yeah. he's a very weird looking man, mm. completely bald. Yeah. Like bald, shaved, but shaved bald. Big bushy eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very interesting looking guy. So that's one of them. What's his name again? G- yeah, Jiko. Jiko Uchiyama. All right. So that's one of the commentators on this TV show. The second one, Kagero 
Mutsuki. Mm. Do you know who this guy is? I recognize him, but I couldn't pinpoint him. He is an erotic novelist oh, and manga artist. That's that's all I can tell you about him. Okay. <laughs> Nothing too exciting. But yeah, he's he's written a lot of erotic novels. Okay. <laughs> I looked him up on Amazon Japan and I'm just like, yep, that's that's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot of erotic. And the last guy oh. who I forgot was in this mm. because letterboxed a lot of the names of, mm. for this entry and for a lot of Sato's films are incorrect mm. because they're just like Google fucking translated. Oh, right. So he's not actually credited at this point on Is the letterboxed um, entry. Okay. But he's very easy to recognize as mm. soon as you see that fucking hideous face of his. And it's okay to say this about him because he's a piece of shit. And he's dead. And he's dead. <laughs> We've got the last commentator, Issei Sagawa. Mm. And I'm sure a lot of people listening will immediately shudder hearing that name. Guy, you want to tell us who Sagawa is for those who who don't know who he is? He is famously known as the man who shot a girl in the head. Did he shoot her? Yeah, he shot her. God, Jesus. And then ate her. Or at least parts of her. While he was in Paris, Paris, And I believe she was Dutch. She was Dutch. Then he, uh, he came back to Japan and threw a loophole in the system... Got completely let off the hook mm. from murder and cannibalism, and then became a food critic. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, it's there, insane. It, it's a massive rabbit hole to go down with yeah. him, and I think it might be something we might go into. We will another time. So quite soon. We don't need to. Talk. <laughs> Let's not talk too much about him, but you can look forward to more stuff about him. Uh, in a later episode, this is not the only one of Sato's films he was that he's in. The in. Bedroom. He's in the bedroom. I feel like maybe there's another as well, but these are the the two that I remember him being in. So that was a massive tangent to go on in the first <laughs> scene for this film. But yeah, basically, we've got the daughter of the main character hosting this show. These three shitty commentators on this show as well. This crime show. Mm. So Asuka, the the host. She's reporting on a bizarre chainsaw murder mm. of a dentist and his wife uh, in a residential area of Ibaraki Prefecture. Mm. And the police are said to be looking for the missing daughter mm. of the dentist, a 17-year-old who is played by Yuka Sakurai. Right. Also, I think, miscredited on Letterboxd as well. I couldn't find out anything about her online. Mm. I this could be the only film that she's in and she's miscredited on Letterboxd. The kanji for her name is like pretty generic. So oh, okay. couldn't really find much about her. Mm. But anyway, the police are looking for this daughter who they refer to as girl A yep. at this point. And she's the kind of key witness or suspect. So the three three commentators are three ridiculous men. <laughs> they all make these, these kind of sweeping statements about mm. this chainsaw girl. They're calling her dangerous. They want information uh, about her release to the public. Sagawa, the cannibal in particular, makes a lot of silly comments, kind of pretentiously comparing the sound of a, a dentist drill to a chainsaw. Yeah, it's it's silly. It's silly. What a cunt. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, for an, as, as an opening scene, it's great. And I was like, oh, here we go. So it's going to be about this random chainsaw-wielding maniac girl killing and fucking her way through Japan. But... No, but that is the fucking thing that I love about this film. Right. So we've got this girl, a character that gets introduced. And what I fucking love about this as a Sato fan is this is him kind of like 
riffing on himself. Right. Which is what I love. Because, like, and I've got, like, a quote from him about this. Right? Okay, good. So he he's talking about this girl, a character type, and he says in this interview, uh, in my old films, I was more concerned about the betrayal of the girl a type character mm. so he he would always show it from this character's point of view and focus on this character but here he wanted to do it in a abstract kind of way right girl a has destroyed her family and the values that surround her and she's going off to start her second life right mm. and she's basically just like a background figure in this yeah and she's just adding to the atmosphere and to the themes of the film rather than mm. directly to the narrative but i really love that aspect because at first you're like oh this you expect it to like, be about her right? classic sato character yeah. chainsaw or misanthropic teen who's killed her parents but then she's just sort of there, like lurking in the background. Yeah, it's as this kind, kind of, of like a wraparound threat. story yeah, yeah, yeah. that never really like integrates itself with the main story mm. of the film, but we kind of come back to. But I think for me, it's like it's a thematic thing, like mm. connected to the themes of family values and stuff. And, yeah. and as you're hearing about this character, Asuka, the host of the show, is just rambling about family values, mm. right? Talking about love and caring in a family. And meanwhile, as she's like saying this, her neglected mother is like just watching this, yeah, like play out. Which I just, I fucking love it's that that touch. touch. And I think also like this chainsaw girl is kind of a suggestion of what could happen to the the family in this as mm. well. And it's kind of this, yeah, this threat that's just like lurking there the whole time, which we. See, kind of later on in the film mm. with the, the son character that we'll sure. talk about soon. But anyway, we cut to girl A who is hitching a ride with a trucker and she's just carrying a chainsaw around everywhere, which I <laughs> loved. It was so good. So after this opening with the TV show and mm. the mum watching, we cut to a title shot. Mm. Yawarakai Hada. Soft skin. By the way, this film shares the same title as a much more famous Truffaut film. Yeah, yeah, and I, I noticed that. God, Googling this, I just kept fucking getting stuff mm. about the Truffaut film. Do you reckon a few Truffaut fans might listen to this? It's going to be like, like, oh, here we go. Or it's going to be like, oh, I downloaded the wrong soft skin. Yeah. They're all having sex. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, we get our title shot and there's some... Lovely, wistful, beautiful music playing over the top. Right. And this is the thing that blew my mind the okay. most. So I really like the music in this. I'm mm. like, oh, I wonder who did the music. Because um, Sato, he really has a good ear for, like, great composers. Oh, yeah. He always gets a lot of really interesting people making the music for his films. This could be... No, this is by far the most famous composer oh, that really? has worked with Sato. Okay. Holy shit. This is fucking kind of mind-blowing. Right. So the guy that made the music for this is Otomo Yoshihide. Right. He is... <laughs> so looking him up, I'm like, oh shit, he's composed some other films. Okay, just to jump in for a second. So he is primarily a composer. He's not like a bandman or a musician. He, he does scores primarily. We'll see. <laughs> okay, sorry. Okay. <laughs> so he also composed Hanadama, which you talked yeah. about earlier. He composed Rampo Noir, which mm. Sato did a segment for in 2005. But he's also been the composer for way more famous films like Blue from 2002, Ino O from 2021. And he's even done international films like The Blue Kite from 1993, which is 
a fucking great film and very right. well not a film it. that we would never talk about on this podcast but he's more famous as a musician outside of mm. his film work this is just like a side hustle so, for him i guess <laughs> yeah right so he was the leader of the 90s experimental rock group ground zero okay and made free improvisation he did noise he did jazz avant-garde contemporary classical music and he's considered a pioneer i've never heard of this until uh-huh. looking him up he's considered a pioneer of electroacoustic improvisation which is that, is e- that a genre e a i e a a form of free improvisation Do, has he done an album with Merzbo by any chance i don't know Do you want well, to check? yeah like this name sounds so familiar Yes, yeah. So I do know him from mm. this uh, collaboration uh, project he did with Merzbo, like Japanese noise artist. Right. Oh, uh, the guy who directed that. Oh, the Harukiri yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yes, oh, yes. shit. Okay, yeah, yeah. So yeah. he's done an album together with him. So yeah, it's like a free jazz noise. Sure, sure. Which makes sense that Sada would ask oh. him to do his fucking soundtrack. Yeah, his, his discography is mind-blowing he's made mm. he's prolific so prolific mm. and it was really weird like just like, another random tangent but like the day that i was reading about him i had just bought eric dolphy's album out to lunch which okay. is like one of my favorite out jazz to lunch out to lunch that sounds so pleasant yeah <laughs> one of my favorite jazz records and i'd finally found it on vinyl All right and i was listening to it as i was reading about him and then in his discography he's mm. remade that album in his kind of style i'm like okay. what the fuck the cover is the same sort of design as the original mm. album but it's like shinjuku station i'm like what the fuck mm-hmm. yeah that was mind-blowing and um yeah i spoke to one of my friends who's a massive like music nerd and he mm. just gave me a list of suggestions so i've been been listening to his stuff a lot oh brilliant yeah, what the fuck? Like, bizarre. This film is just filled it's with stuffed, but it makes sense. Famous people. Yes, yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't have picked him out from the credits list, um, but looking at all the cameos and odd people pop up here, there, and everywhere, and then hearing that this was his fiftieth film, mm. and it does feel like he put a lot of effort, yeah, into this. Mm-hmm. If yeah, it feels like you know, kind of as a as a celebration of his making making his fiftieth film, that he just kind of got everyone and anyone involved. With this great music from uh, our mate Otomo Yoshihide playing over the top, Minako, the lonely housewife, the mother, she dusts her house down, looks at a photo of her absent family. Can I just say, there's one point, because she's watching her daughter on TV, right? Mm. This is where, and, the, and the TV show ends, and she, like, claps for her daughter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she just seems like such a proud oh, she's a and such a supporting mum that you, you you really root for her. She's great. But it's yeah. like, but none of her family care. No. <laughs> it's so sad. So, we cut to Minako's husband, yeah. Kenichi. Oh, yeah. Played by Hiromi Kuronuma. Okay. Who I'm sure that you recognize. He was in Night Model, right? Yeah, Night of Bodies Model. Uh, he's in that. <laughs> what are you laughing at? I just miss half the words. Yeah, night Model. <laughs> no. He's in Night Model, isn't he? <laughs> Imagine if you talked about all films like that. <laughs> what would One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? One nest. But. 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 That's not even in the title. <laughs> But he's also in... He's a Tsukumoto regular, but I, I didn't recognize him, oh. but he, he's in Bullet Ballet oh, yeah, and okay. Gemini, but 
I, I they must be small roles because I didn't recognize him. Right. That. But yeah, basically, Kenichi, he's a fucking loser salary man <laughs> who's been demoted from the head office and is now working at some shitty local sales office. Mm. So he doesn't even live at home, right? He's mm. just like out in the shitty office. He's fucking pathetic oh. at his job. So when we first meet him, meet him, he's getting like treated like garbage on the phone by a customer and his co-workers are just laughing behind his back. Yes. And I'm assuming this is the cameo you're most excited about. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you uh, catch it? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You you can you can talk about this. Oh, <laughs> so that's um, so it, it's uh, it's so quick. He's kind of mm. not even like framed. He's kind of on the side. Like. <laughs> so yeah, the uh, as you said, the the dad um, Kenichi is getting grilled by one of the customers, and I think he ends up like losing the client. They yeah. cancel the contract, and they hang up. And Kenichi is so stressed. <laughs> and you can see just the stress boiling within him. And he kind of just freaks out, slams the phone down. The co-worker next to him, he's kind of shocked. And he kind of jumps. He's alarmed at this guy's massive reaction. And that shocked co-worker is played by Yota Kawase, the main actor from Rubber's Lover. Yeah. <laughs> there are two Rubber's Lover actors in this. So many fucking yes. cameos. It's but relentless. He's, he was uh, primarily a pink actor, wasn't he? He's been in loads of pink films. I don't know, actually. I, I mostly know him as the Rubber's Lover guy, mm. but he's in, like, lo- he's in fucking Shin Godzilla. When I was is looking he? him up, yeah, I don't remember him in it, the but fuck he's was in, he doing that? in that. I don't know. Bizarre. Oh, everyone's in that fucking. But film. he was in um, more recently. Um, What's it? The Eyes Dream, the other, the new Sato film ah, that just that got too. released. Okay. Yeah, nice, nice. Um, he's a funny fella. He's a funny fella. He is. I had a drink with him. Did you yeah. really? Yeah. Holy shit! Yeah. Funnily enough, so you've had contact with two actors that are in this. The guy, the bald lad from before that you the, talked the to. The bald lad, yeah. That you talked to online, and mm. then. You had a drink with this man who's in one shot. Yeah. I, he, well, I went to shows in Fukui's bar and he was just there, like, having a drink. There's and, always and someone I was just there. like, <laughs> And, and shows him was like, hey, guy, look who's turned up. And I was like, fuck. Was he a nice guy? He's really nice. Funny fella? Funny fella. <laughs> I feel like this is a new, this is a new podcast. A podcast, what do we call these? A, a trope <laughs> of the podcast. <laughs> the funny fella? <laughs> oh, the oh, God. <laughs> Oh, and then, so, so the guy's just lost, the Kenichi, the dad, he's lost the, the contract, slams the phone down, everyone's thinking, what the fuck is up with this guy? But darling wife Minako calls in to check in on her darling husband. But he is so fucking stressed that he's like, don't fucking call me at work! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just slams, slams the phone yeah, down. just in front of everybody. Yeah, he's so, he's fucking furious. And then you know, poor poor Minato. She's got it rough. She tries to call Asuka, the host of the the TV show. Her daughter gets the voicemail, and then at the TV show, we meet Asuka's director mm. Kikuchi, played fella. by yet another fucking familiar face. Masahiko Sakata. What else has he been in? Because I couldn't pinpoint he, him. He's one of those guys, though, right? You see his face, you're like, I know this guy, mm. but I can't pinpoint what it is because yep. he's in so right. much stuff. But you would have recently probably seen him in a Sato film because he's in a shit ton right. of Sato films. But he also has a pretty substantial role in Shion Sono's Cold Fish. Ah. Um, yeah, he's in that, and he's in a bunch of... Mikkei films as well. Okay. But he's 
but he's in a fuck ton of oh. Sato films too. He's a very gross guy. Like I don't, I mean, not. I'm sure he's a nice guy, but he's just he always plays icky kind of characters. He's like how Shion Sono is. <laughs> Maybe he based his performance yeah. on Shion Sono. Way, way earlier than... Yeah, he that. saw it coming. He saw it coming. This film was a, his message to the world. Like, oh, yeah, Shion Sono's a creep. Don't trust creepy <laughs> directors with funny glasses. <laughs> he does have funny glasses he does. in this. Yeah. Very funny. He keeps flapping them around. You know what? I would say he's a funny fella. I, I would say so. <laughs> So yeah, Asuka and her director, Kikuchi, they have a chat and we, we very quickly see that he's a creepy guy, right? Mm. And then, oh my God, there's so many fucking famous people in this film. But then a cameraman is watching this happen. Oh, I'm sure you've got a lot to say about this guy. So the cameraman, Sugisaki is his name, and he's he's filming Asuka's conversation with Kikuchi and we can see that he's like enamored with her. It's a very Sato mm. moment. And he is played by... Machida Cole, yeah. who appeared on our previous podcast episode <gasps> as... Wait, did you not realize no. who it was? Wait, 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 wait. Wait, is he in... Is he... He's the mate with the silly red hat. Oh, fuck! Oh, that cunt! Oh, <laughs> He's shit. the guy who plays the guitar with his penis in Tampon Tango. Oh, my... You've blown my fucking mind i did not realize that <laughs> that was him i thought that's what you were going with this. i mean i i just was like oh he's he's a well-known punk musician blah 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 blah. but yeah. i forgot about that connection who breaks roof tiles with his penis oh. in tampon tango <laughs> oh my god i i was shocked when i saw him in this jesus christ very different role for him very different less penis guitar yeah. playing and <laughs> None, actually. <laughs> no penis guitar play. <laughs> Fuck, that's crazy. I did not know. I did not remember that connection. How? Holy fucking shit. But yeah, just a, a quick recap of it. Mm. Very fucking famous. <laughs> Very funny fella. Very funny fella. Punk musician, poet, author. Mm. From Sakai. He was also in... Uh, was he, is he from Sakai? Yeah. Jesus. I think he's in Burst City as well. Fucking everyone. Who isn't in bloody Burst City? I feel like every fucking person we ever talk Dude, about Even I'm in Burst City. Yeah, you're in it. I've seen you in it. So then we meet the eldest son. Hugo. Hugo. Which took me a long time to work out this character's name because on Letterboxd he's credited as something else. Right. In my pamphlet it wasn't translating properly, but listening out for his name it is... Hugo. Right. Uh, he's a college student, college oh. age student. He's loves flowers, sniffing away. <laughs> loves like mad. flowers. All the flowers. And he is, again, one of, maybe one of the bigger actors in this. Yeah. So um, he always, he's got a very young looking face. We haven't said his name yet, right? So he's, he's played by Kenji Mitsuhashi. Mm. And he always plays, well, not always, he's older now, but for the longest time, he played, like, young boys, like, college he students. He still played young boys now Dude. in his, like, 50s or something. Oh, he could, he could easily play really? at university. He student. still looks young. I, he I, does. Yeah. But I remember I first saw him in the movie. Have you seen Moonlight Whispers? I know the name, but I haven't seen that. I think you'll like that. Because you mm. like coming-of-age dramas and stuff, yeah. right? This is a fucked coming-of-age drama. Sounds great. And it's played by... Um, they're like I think they're two, they're two high school students, so they're not even, like, of age yet. Mm. But it's like this weird coming-of-age 
SM relationship between these two students, and he plays the guy who just gets beaten up. Oh god! <laughs> Nonstop by this um this college girl, like high school girl. Sorry. Oh wow! Look at the poster. It's awesome. That is amazing, <laughs> right? It's a really <laughs> fucking incredible. good dra- like drama, coming of age drama, but it's really fuck fucked. Yeah. Can you remind me after this? I'm gonna add this yeah. to my watch list. Um, yeah, watch it. That Moonlight whispers everyone. So yeah, he's a uh, yeah he's he's a great actor. He's been in the Tomie films as well. Yeah, I was gonna say he's in the original Tomie, which came out the same year as this. Oh. Pretty crazy. Mm. Soft skin and Tomie same same year. And who's in Night Model? And not only is he in. Did did you realize the connection there? So he's he plays the son of Hiromi Kurunuma. He plays his dad in this. Oh, so it's like father, son yeah, relationship. a father and son oh, in this as well. Isn't that fucking it. great? Less, they um, do. They work really well as father and son. They, they look. Do. They yeah. You, they look related in a way. <laughs> I wouldn't me. say they look similar, but they have a. You, they do feel like father and son. I think they pull it off very well. <laughs> he's also in Pulse ah. uh, by Kiyoshi Kurosawa, mm. and he's in one of my favorite films of all time, mm-hmm. uh, The Taste of Tea. Oh, by yeah, yeah. Uh, Katsuhito Ishii, mm. which is a fucking great film. So I'm just rubbing my hands a lot in this episode. Sorry for the hand rubbing sounds, everyone. I'm just so excited about Mizuhashi we're, Kenji. We're still, we're still not even... <laughs> dude, we're, we're fucked. We're fucked. We're really fucked up. This is a long episode. Sorry, everyone. To be fair, though, like once we get through everyone famous, <laughs> but there's still so many more Bear with us. Go. We'll try and get through the plot quickly. We're just, we're just too excited for soft skin. Okay, so... <laughs> the son, Hugo, he gets a message from his mum on his pager. I had to look up what a pager was again, because I, I know I know what a pager was, but I'm like, what is that thing called again? And I had right. to like, Google it, because I'd forgotten. What did you search? Beeper. You, call it, you can call it beeper as well, I think, right? But anyway, very unimportant. We don't have time for the, a tangent about pages. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I got my first pager. Did you actually? <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> Oh god! But yeah, he gets a message from his mum saying to call call her. He ignores it. What's gets a cunt. Gets back to work on those flowers, sniffing away. Mm. Then we cut to Minako's younger daughter, I, mm. who is a high school student, seventeen years old, played by Reiko Tagaki, right? Who doesn't seem to have appeared in anything else. Okay. Could, couldn't find anything about her. Uh, but yes, I is a second year high school student. And we see her eating this insanely big meal mm. at a restaurant, chowing down like mad. And an old man is sitting opposite her. And clearly, this is some kind of arrangement, right? He's She's either a prostitute and he's a customer mm. buying her a meal or she's selling something. Yeah. We don't, we don't know the details <laughs> yeah. yet, but clearly something's going on here. And her mobile phone goes off. She answers it, but just immediately just hangs up. Oh, yeah. And it's her mum. Yeah. What a, hangs uh, up on her poor mum. That poor mum. So back to the mum, back to Minako. She's all sad that her family is ignoring her, understandably. And yeah, I just, I really love, like, so that's how, like, the way we've established all our main characters. And I really love in this film the way Sato does this. And they, they all have... They're all battling loneliness Mm. in their own ways, right? Which is a very, very Sato thing. Even Mm. though this is tonally quite different to a lot of his work, he loves focusing on the lonely characters, Mm. right? And here it's like in this family unit, but they're all living in these separate ways. And this is 
his this film is his comment on the modern Japanese family. And I, I think he's doing it not in a positive or negative way, but just as an observation. Right. right. And in that interview, he, he talks about that saying they live separately so they can sustain their shape is what he says to describe right. the family. <laughs> this is the only way they can continue. Mm. So he talks about the family being an illusion uh, formed by society and he wanted to explore the relationships between all the individuals in mm. the family. But then he wanted to kind of remove their predetermined roles and sort of let them loose. Okay. Which is, oh, fucking, oh, I love it. So then I think we get probably one of my favorite scenes, actually. Yeah, which is, again, filled with cameos as well. This might be cameos. Oh. That, see, this is where, yeah. this is good. Because you know, you knew people that I did not know that much right. about, which is great. But this has one of my favorite uh, Sato regulars. Yeah, I didn't pick it. up on anything. Oh, is yeah. that Kiyomi? Yes. Oh, yes. my God. So we cut to the dad, Kenichi, on the train. It's shot very intensely, very classic Sato sort of scene or like wide angle lenses mm. of people on a train. And we see one shot of Kiyomi Ito, the fucking greatest Sato mm. regular, maybe the bravest actress I've ever seen in any film. Oh, yeah. Because she'll just fucking do anything. She's got some balls. Yeah. And she. Seems to be, like, maybe drunk on the train or she's, like, hallucinating. Mm. She's calling out to someone. It's just one shot. I didn't even recognize her. It's so yeah. quick, yeah. But as soon as I started, I'm like, yes! <laughs> and then I was, I was a little sad that she doesn't, uh, yeah, Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad you pointed her out because I saw her name in the list, in the credits, but I couldn't pinpoint her in the film. Mm. She's kind of, like, a bit of a chameleon. She can really adapt to a role and look completely different from previous roles. Mm. Oh, she's great. Yes. Love her. So, yeah, the dad, Kenichi, he's on a very packed train and we're getting the announcement playing over, you know, through the train speakers saying, you know, don't speak loudly on the phone as it's an inconvenience to other passengers. The Kenichi dad fella, he's very, he's very tense from work and he's standing up. uh, He doesn't have a seat because the train's packed. He's rammed in there. Classic Tokyo train situation. And we have another lady, not Kiyomito. Mm. is like drunk and saying to her, her husband or boyfriend you know something he said I've not seen her I've not seen her blah 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 and you can tell the dad Kenichi is getting aggravated by these people mm. then on the other side of him a younger girl is also talking on the phone and he's also getting aggravated mm. a school but, girl right a school girl and it's it's so funny because he ignores I mean you can tell his aggravation but he ignores the older lady with her fella doesn't see anything but he turns to the younger schoolgirl and starts poking her like you know stop talking stop talking you know getting more and more agitated that she's talking on the phone which is a uh, something to say about his character totally he yeah. doesn't say anything to the yeah. adult <laughs> yeah. who has a fella with her but mm. he will happily keep repeatedly prodding yeah. and shushing this younger girl mm. so he's getting more and more pissed off because she's talking loudly on the train and then she's talking to her friend and she's like, oh, this fucking pervert keeps touching me on the train. And then all the people start and turn to the dad. And he's like, no, no, I wasn't touching her. I just wanted her to stop talking. And then they have an altercation outside the station. And she's like, hey, you're that pervert from the train. Yeah. And a kind of a crowd like comes around them and starts to like see what's going on. What's all this uh, commotion about? But then as he's braiding her, he then pulls her onto his lap, yeah. pulls her skirt up, and she's got some Hello Kitty underwear on. Love it. <laughs> and just starts spanking her. 
The onlookers are like watching this and they're, they're loving it. Yeah. They're like clapping for mm. him. They're like, yeah, you've done it, Kenichi, you've done it, mate. And we realize that some of the people in the crowd are the office workers. Right. At his office, right. like cheering him on. But then he snaps out of it. It was all just a fantasy. Which, yeah, it really sums up his character. It does. I love the way he paints himself as a hero in this fantasy that he's made. Mm. Because he comes in from above and he's like, You're a student. Students' work is studying. You should be looking at books. And he's like, I'm going to teach you a lesson. And he starts spanking her and everyone starts clapping for him. (laughs) And he looks so proud of himself. Yeah, just it's just a delusion (laughs) of a fucking perverted old man. Yeah, this that scene really does like establish exactly who this guy Mm. is. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a weak, (laughs) pathetic, (laughs) pathetic cunt. So then we're back to Asuka at the TV studio. The director, Kikuchi, is telling her that she needs to be conscious of her pleasure of being seen by viewers. And he's, like, massaging her and and just being a general creep mm. about this. And Sugisaki, the cameraman, watches. Then he enters the scene and begins to, to film her. Mm. And she basically starts to fuck the camera yeah essentially she becomes aware of being watched and that yeah. kind of awakens something inside her right yeah and it's so sato like oh, he yeah. loves this shit he mm. loves the camera and mixing it with like this sort of sexual reaction and it's the most sato thing in the film yeah her getting turned on by being filmed turned on film and it's like really over the top mm. really like she's like moaning rubbing herself orgasming just by yeah. looking into this lens yeah yeah know? So then we go back to Hugo, the son, and he's found a lovely house lined with flower pots. He loves flower pots. And while he's admiring it, he's approached by the owner of the house, who is a widow by the name of Yukiko, played by Junko Asahina. Is she a Sato regular or? She's not a Sato regular, but she's a pretty interesting lady. Right. Um, so according to the cinema pamphlet, she was a Takarazuka mm. performer. Mm. And again, not to go too far into a tangent. Yeah. Fuck, <laughs> we kind of have to, right? Takarazuka is like, uh, how would you describe it's ta- Takarazuka? It's theater, but it's like all of the roles, regardless of gender, are played by women, mm. but kind of dressed up and made up to look like men. Mm. I've never actually been. It's it's in Kansai area. It's in, in, in Takarazuka. Takarazuka. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, um, wow. That's interesting. Yeah. So that was like her, her first uh, job was doing that. Not going into a tangent, but I've heard working for ta- at Takarazuka in this kind of theater production is fucking hell. I could like, imagine. It's fucking hell. Yeah. There's been like suicides and there's loads. Really? It's like, there's a massive like hierarchy and all like the the lower people have to treat like the seniors as like gods. Wow. And if they don't, they get like Fuck. driven to suicide. And people people obsess over Takarazuka oh, as well. It's a like big it's going constantly. Thing. Yeah. yeah. I, I would like to go, but it's probably quite boring. <laughs> well I mean it's well what's what's the point? <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard to get tickets as well because really? there's like mega fans that just go to every single I mean, you know, what, performance. What's the, what, you're just gonna see a bunch of Women dress up as men. It is quite interesting, though, because they do... They 
do adaptations of kind of unusual things. Okay. Like, I remember once they were doing like an adaptation of Sergio Leone's Once Upon a Time in America. Oh, okay. Which would just be so weird to see a bunch of women dressed up as men doing a musical version of that in yeah. Japanese. Yeah. I can, it could be surreal. Yeah. I can imagine. But that. it goes for, they're like four hour shows, no, right? That. Yeah. Not, all right. But anyway, no, no more rabbit holes, no more sages. So she was a Takarazuka performer. She went on to be in a lot of stuff, including Ultraman Ace. Your favorite. Love a bit of Ultraman. And she released albums really? as well, huh. and then eventually moved into Roman porno films in the 80s. Ooh. And she died just a few years ago oh, at a very a young age. That's mm. quite sad. She's really great in this film. Mm. So Yukiko invites Hugo over to her flower-smothered house, and they have a shag. <laughs> and it's already like, even though she's not his mother, it feels incestuous it, it's but it also feels like fucking pedophilia yeah because she's she's way older and he's, she's he's way older he's an adult <laughs> he, he is an adult he's a college-age student but she's talking about wishing that she had a child as she deflowers him because we find oh, out yeah. here that he's a yeah. virgin as well pretty grim that's, that's not nice <laughs> let's move swiftly on so then we're back to Minako and yeah she's like sheepishly calling like a telephone dating club oh yeah but she says what her age is to the other person and they immediately hang up on her. But then she manages to get through to someone else who she hits it off with and she's sort of immediately very giggly and excited Mm. talking to this this person yes then we're meanwhile we go cutting back and forth between the young eye daughter the best and most fucked scene in this film pretty full on pretty full on so we saw i the first time devouring a mound of food Mm. right she likes her food yeah and we also previously learned that she might be involved in some kind of adult industry, prostitution, or something or other. We learn what that is now. So, she is a full-on dominatrix. She's in a, like... Love hotel. She's in a love hotel. She's in, like... She's leather-clad, like, yeah. sexy leather clothes. She's got a man chained up on the bed, like, kind of bound and gagged. <laughs> she's whipping him, and in one hand, she has a massive chicken thigh. Yeah. So, like a drumstick. So, she's like... Ripping this, the meat off this drumstick it's and huge. whipping this older, like older salary man type man who's yeah. just like crying and be like, oh, more, more, more. And she takes the, the chicken leg and shoves it up his bum and says, meal time for farm animals. I'm pretty sure that's not how you feed a farm animal by shoving a chicken bone up its yeah. ass. <laughs> After that amazing moment, we're over to the truck driver who picked up Chainsaw Girl. We finally see Chainsaw Girl again. Mm. Now, this truck driver is a famous man, too. Oh, is he? Oh, you didn't recognize this no, guy? No, no. Who's this guy? So, this guy is Butchi Musha. Butchi. Who is a pretty famous comedian, I found out what? by looking him up. Yeah. Oh, no. After this, you should Google him. It's pretty funny. Oh, no. Yeah. I, I'm like, surely that name can't be right. But no, Butchi Musha. Yeah, he's in there having sex with the chainsaw girl and he thinks it's her first time because she's bleeding mm. but then she's like nah i'm on my period so then uh we're back to minako and she's meeting the guy that she was talking to yes on the phone club now who the fuck is this guy well 
I can't tell you much about Seriously? who he is. Yeah, I, I felt like the whole time I was watching this, I was like, who the fuck is this? I recognized him. Yeah, he looked familiar to me as well. The character's name is Kazuhiko, and he's played by Hitoshi Kusanagi. And I couldn't really find anything that he was really? in. It's just a couple of things here and there, ah. but, but nothing well known. But, you know, it could just be he's been miscredited mm. on things. So... But yeah, I couldn't find much that he was in. Right. Yeah. Damn it. But he comes over uh, to Minako's house. He's a youngish man. He's younger mu- Much younger than, than Minako. Him. Yeah, like 30s Late or something 30s, like that. I guess. A regular age. <laughs> a normal a age. A regular age. <laughs> <laughs> well, as I get older, it's like, whatever's my age. It's like, yeah, normal age. You know? <laughs> and But Minako is loving it. She's she, kind of like playing house. Yeah. She's she, getting very giddy. She's full of life all of a sudden, and she's kind of having flashbacks to with this guy, like, mm. to her early days of marriage. And I, I really liked Sato in his interview talks about this tone that he's going for here. So he was saying, uh, the setup here is that the mother is a former actress, mm. which we're going to find out soon. So she's a very sensitive woman and wants to go back to the time she felt the most alive. And I love this thing that Sato says. So he says, I heard that when you get dementia, you go back to the time when you felt most alive. In the case of women, they become adolescents in sailor suits. (laughs) And in the case of men, they become babies. That's (laughs) kind of true, right? Sure. Like, you know, when women get older, they might go back to like this kind of, you know, like a high school kind of time or young, Mm. you know, early 20s, whereas men become babies (laughs) as they get older. But yeah, you're right. It's kind of, it is quite incestuous as well, right? Like, so mm. even though they're they're lovers, Minako and this guy she's met on the telephone club, they're kind of feeding each other beef stew and drinks. I did love their interactions with this. Though, it is great. Because they met through like a telephone dating service, right? And mm. so they're very formal. Well, he's very formal when mm. he speaks to her and she's talking to him like as if he's her husband from 20 years ago. Mm. So she's like, oh, darling, how about I make beef stew tonight? Yeah. And, and he's just like very polite, yeah, yeah. like, oh, beef stew, that's a, that, that would be very nice, like very like formally. And she's like, no, you idiot. Yeah. You're my, my husband, husband in this. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, beef stew, good. Yeah. And he kind of like switches. And his his kind of like switching roles and characters is really fun to watch. And then, But then we have this weird like feeding each other beef mm. stew and like feeding each other drinks and stuff. And yeah. I don't know, I didn't feel like it was weird. It seemed very playful. I think though there's a layer of, like I know Sato says that he wanted this to feel like lovers but also a bit mother and son like oh, as really? well which i do think you have flashes of that mm. the age difference but also the the way that they're acting with each other as well right. it's like a little bit there's a level of creepiness to it <laughs> even though it's kind of cute but it's also a bit creepy right and they do a fuck they they do fucking they do do a fuck after their beef stew munching oh, no. they do some fucking some beef stew you don't munch a beef stew and I was really surprised that uh, Izawa, who plays Minako, she, you know, she's nearly 60 mm. and she gets fully nude mm. in this film. The cinema pamphlet that I got spends quite a lot of time talking about how great her boobs are. It spends a lot of time just bringing that up over and over again. I'm like, all right. You know what? We, we get you. I don't... 
I don't want to sound like a perv, but when we saw Minako, the, she's like, what, 60? Or yeah, she's, at, the time at this? this point of filming this, she was close to 60. Right. Yeah. So obviously, you know, way older. There was not one point where I was just like, I can't wait to see her get naked. But when she did, I was like, ah, she's got a pretty good body. Yeah, no, you're she right. Does. Yeah, she, she really, she does. Knockout yeah. boobs. I'll tell you what, give me that pamphlet. I'll add a few more sentences. <laughs> My personal opinion, just handwritten in my cinema pamphlet. Meow, oh, boobs. So after this, we cut back to that show we saw, The Wanted, the, the crime show. Yes. And we hear that the truck driver has been found dead, killed with a chainsaw. And Asuka reveals the real name and a picture of the suspect, mm. this girl A character. So... The reason they call her Aiko, um, mm. it's like A as in the letter A plus co, uh, mm. uh, common uh, suffix on names. So anytime a minor is involved in any sort of case, they're referenced as Aiko, Biko, Siko, mm. uh, because they're not legally allowed to give the, the names or faces of the child involved. So if we look at these like famous cases, probably one of the most prolific ones being the... Uh, concrete encased mm. high school murder girl thing all of the um the killers in that were under like these aco bicos or like c whatever i think it was up to d or whatever mm. uh so they just go through like numerically with co at the end and it's a uh, law that you cannot provide this information but this random news outlet tv show they were like well there are more people getting killed and we feel like we need to give that information and we might get a backlash, but this is the girl and this is her face. So they completely just mm. reveal this uh, minor, essentially. The commentators are loving this as well. So our three ridiculous men before, mm. they're like totally up for them breaking the law yeah. doing this, essentially. And we find out Chainsaw Girl's name is Yuriko. Don't trust girls called Yuriko. Really? I met a bad Yudi call once. Just once? Just once. You're going to base it all on that one person? And this one. <laughs> That's two. That's two. It's more than one. <laughs> and yeah, Minako and her new boyfriend, Kazuhiko, <laughs> they're watching the program and they're, they're quite sympathetic towards mm. Yuriko, sort of talking about how she must be feeling. Well, for Minako, she's the same age as her daughter, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And we also find out at this point, because this is a week after that that body's been found. So we realize that Kazuhiko has been staying at Minako's house for a week now. We've, we've moved forward a week. And in that time, none of her family has called her. Right. Which I, I didn't really realize until second I time around. I didn't actually that get that. We've actually moved forward a week in time. I didn't even realize that he was yeah. in her house. <laughs> yeah, so he's just been living there for a week. We also get a flashback to Minako's youth and she talks about being an actress who appeared in plays where she always played the heroine. And Kenichi, her husband, was the biggest fan. And we sort of see this in this flashback form where Kenichi proposes to Minako. Her family opposed it and the two eloped and moved to Tokyo to get married. So after this, Minako and Kazuhiko come up with a plan to make Minako's family care again. Mm-hmm. Cut to Hyuga, the son, the flower-sniffing son... <laughs> Gets a message on his pager, and the message says, Mum kidnapped. Mm. Come home. Kenichi gets a call in the office, 
Aya gets a call while she's on a date, while she's eating food. Yeah. And we get this sped up fast motion shot of her eating the food, which feels very like 1980s Sato. Mm. That's like more of his like mid 80s style. Asuka gets a call at work and the director, the sleazy Kikuchi guy, he's loving it because you can tell he's like ready to exploit the situation. So everyone goes home in this absolute, I fucking love this, but absolutely madcap, fast motion. It's very like playful, like cartoonish. Mm. I think I like grabs like a lamppost at one point, spins around. (laughs) (laughs) And the Minako, the mother, she's watching all this from a distance from Kazuhiko's car. And kind of watching it in a kind of loving sort of way, like, ah, here they all come. They're Mm. all coming back. Everyone's here except for me. And they all gather in the living room, all the members of the the family. The phone rings. Kenichi answers. And using a voice changer, Mm. Kazuhiko explains that he is from a group called the Great what is it the great japan saviors of mother's soul something like that yeah, <laughs> yeah something yeah. like that so he's basically his dai nippon mother's soul salvation society yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and basically minako is dictating to kazuhiko this whole sort of plan right yeah and he has he gives them the condition that for minako's release so they pretended that she's kidnapped for the release they have to become a perfect family and after they hang up, Kenichi kind of thinks about why this has happened and decides that this this guy must have done this out of a concern for the current state of Japan, where the sense <laughs> of family has been lost, which is very bold Love to be saying that. Love <laughs> yeah. it. It's so far-fetched, yeah. it's so ridiculous, but at the same time, it's kind of so relevant. Yeah, it's great. So they start looking around the house to see if they can find any clues as to who the kidnappers are. I go straight to the fridge. Yeah, I yeah. just straight into the fridge, scoffing down food. Hugo goes to his mum's bedroom and starts sniffing her nightgown. Don't do that, grim. And yeah, Asuka and Kenichi, the dad, they they uh, look at a family portrait. Because this photo is like the time where he was at the head office. Asuka is sort of giving him shit about how he got fired and demoted. And he's giving her shit about not living at home, even though that she could if she she wanted to. She lives close enough to the the TV studio to still live at Mm. home. And then I just pukes in the toilet after binging down all that food. So we sort of realize at this point that she's bulimic, which we're going to hear more about later as well. It's a dysfunctional family, isn't it? It's a mess. But they're all back together, except the mum. But, yeah, it's, it's nice. But I also liked when um, Asuka and the dad are, like, kind of giving each other shit, and they find this old picture of the dad. And she's like, oh, you look kind of good in this. And, like, he has absolutely no yeah. care for the fact that his wife's been kidnapped. And he's like, Until oh, really? Yeah, let let yeah. me have a look at this picture. And he's like, oh, yeah, I did a pretty good. Like, yeah. he's only <laughs> ever concerned about himself. That is, that's a, a great detail, It's right? so funny because he's such a piece of shit when you mm. kind of, like, look into the things he says and how he acts. But he's never... He doesn't ever really appear to do anything really, really wrong that would make you think, all right, he's a piece of shit. Mm. It's just these very subtle things. Yeah, he's a fucking... Ir- he's, he's a very good and accurate portrait of yeah. a particular kind of man. Yes. So after the the search, Kikuchi, the director, mm. and Sugisaki, the cameraman, visit the family and they start setting up lights and begin working on a broadcast about the kidnapping. So they're here to completely exploit yeah. the kidnapping of the presenter's mum. Yeah. There's also 
a fucking great running gag in oh, this yeah? that cracked me up so much. So Asuka comes out dressed in this fucking ridiculous it's, outfit. It's just like a sunflower. It's horrible. But this is just a great running gag where every time you see her, she's dressed more absurdly in these kind yes. of like idle looking outfits. And then it gets to the point where it's just lingerie. Yeah. It's a great gag. I love it. And again, like the camera's on her. She's getting all horny about that camera. <laughs> about that <laughs> Meanwhile, Minako, Kazuhiko, just having a fucking blast on the beach, dancing around to some silly fucking music. Oh, it's great. <laughs> it is great. They're having the time of their life. When they're frolicking around, you have just this shot of the uh, fake boyfriend guy just making a pair of sand tits in the sea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so carving out some tits with a bit of nipples. And That's then. great. <laughs> but yeah, so then the chainsaw girl rolls up and they're like, hey, can you come take our picture? We want to commemorate this uh, this fantastic moment we're having. I love that as well, where she takes the photo, but deliberately cuts their heads off in the photo. It's such a dick move. But great touch, because <laughs> she's the chainsaw girl. She likes chopping heads off. So, <laughs> so Kazuhiko calls Kenichi, calls the family again from his beach house. Because he must be a rich guy, right? He's got this beach house or they've hired a place there. And again, he's demanding the perfect family and talks about the mother, Minako, holding everything together. She's the figurehead of the family. She's the pillar. She's the pillar. After the call, the doorbell rings and the son fucking widow. Yes. Who we met before. Fucking hell. Shows up. Yeah. This were, this is when I'm just like, wait, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> yeah. And it's completely out of nowhere. And this is the point where the kind of... The, the balance kind of gets tipped into realms of insanity. Yeah. Also, this is the point where the film starts to remind me a lot of Visitor Q. Yeah. The Mikkei film. This is before Visitor Q, but it's got that kind of feeling of the family going nuts. Yeah. Like going kind of crazy, but almost in a positive sort mm. of way. Like everyone's really enjoying yeah. the way things are devolving or evolving or whatever you want to call mm. it. But yeah, you're right. This is the point where it really starts to tip yes. into something else. Because once she comes in, and there's never any kind of uh, mention of the fact that she fucks the son either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She kind of just rolls up and he's just like, you know, he's like, he's like, you can't be here. But she kind of takes the role of the mother. Yeah. The kid and that mother. She's like, I'm going to look out for you guys. I'm going to prepare for you. <laughs> Not only that, gets pretty damn close to the dad yeah the dad comes down and, and sees her and just immediately like oh who's this and clearly attracted to her straight yeah. away and she reciprocates basically yeah. immediately whilst yeah. he's trying to negotiate yeah. the return of his kidnapped wife <laughs> so he's fun. googling yeah the the weird auntie who fucked his son <laughs> but i also love as well like it's i feel like the way sato films it it's not like he's being judgmental of this it's just like madness that's it just is. happening it's just spiraling it into is. this lunacy and there's a part so after that we uh, she cooks the a meal for them mm. right and the dad refers to her as an absolute angel and they're just like <laughs> eating this like delicious food that she's cooked and they're all having the time of their lives because of this like lovely meal no one cares about the mum yeah well that's like a, a running theme in this as well yeah. they're all just sort of like having a great time without yeah. the mum and I think that's the scene where um, Asuka is now like in lingerie yeah. so Yukiko 
the the son fucker and now father fucker has cooked this meal and another call comes in and yet Asuka, as you say, dressed in like sexy lingerie at yeah. this point, but she's still hosting the show. They're still filming this. Yeah, Kenichi takes the the phone call from the kidnapper and he asks to hear his wife's voice. Mm. And she gets on the phone, starts talking about how dangerous these culprits are and how they're so upset at the neglect that she's faced. But then Kazuhiko starts feeling her up on the phone. Yeah. And she starts, like, moaning. And while this is happening, Kenichi gets a phone call on his on his cell phone Ugh. from his manager. So he passes the phone to his son, Hugo. Don't pass it to the son. Who then listens to his mum moaning and getting filled up. It's so gross. Previously, he was sniffing her nightgowns and stuff. Yes. Oh, it's grim. So Kenichi has gone off away from this scene and he's on the phone with his boss. I love this moment so much. Yeah. He's getting berated by his boss to come back to work. And he's begging for his job. But then Yukiko, mm. son fucker, father fucker, <laughs> walks, walks in, sees him, and he suddenly turns into a cool, smooth guy and quits yeah. in front of her on the phone. And she loves it. She loves like, wow, it. What a, what a man. Move. What a man. What a stud. What a stud. Throws herself on him. And, oh, God, the next bit. Oh, my God. So, I, the daughter, after eating, scoffing down this massive meal, she runs off to vomit. And Kikuchi, the director, Mm. so the TV director, follows her and starts asking if she has bulimia as she is throwing up. And he's telling her that, like, eating is running away from reality. And we're like, oh, maybe he's trying to help her. Nah. But no. Then he disgustingly this is made me fucking sick i do not i'm not a vomit guy i hate vomit i have a fear of vomit actually. you have a fear of vomit i have a fear of vomiting and a fear of vomit in general so this scene was very rough for me she stands up so she just vomited in the toilet and he takes her hand Ugh. which is covered in vomit and he starts like licking the puke yep. from her hand yep. and as this is happening she starts dribbling puke out Ugh. of her mouth and then he goes over and starts like kissing her mouth and slurping up the vomit. And as this is after this happened, she slumps down on the ground and Kikuchi's like, You had an orgasm, didn't you? Yeah. No. This film has been reasonably restrained <laughs> until that's this it. moment as well. But then from here on, it's like a full on fever dream. Mm, but- a-, a sexy fever dream. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> vomit, yeah. I, I also found this interesting as well. Sato talks about this scene in the interview, he said that he really wanted to make a film about dieting and bulimia in the past, but never got the chance to do it. So that's why he included this character in it. And he says, "Uh, bulimia is depressing if it were done realistically. So I deformed it to some extent. (laughs) So normally vomit would be seen as gross, but the director on the contrary sees it as beautiful it's not a matter of logic, but of emotion. <laughs> so, I guess this director has an emotional connection nice. to vomit. But yeah, as you said, things go fucking nuts now. Mm. So after this vomit moment, we cut to Asuka. She's dressed in this kind of stripper outfit with tassels on her nipples <laughs> and a tiara. Yes, got tiara. Not the only tiara in this film. And Sugisaki is filming her, the camera guy, and she's making out with the camera mm. and feeling him up. As she's making out with the camera, but then (laughs) pushes the camera aside. Oh, this fucking scene, man. (laughs) I could not believe 
that they did this. And I know that this this <laughs> thing has appeared thematically in Sato's films a few times. He loves this. But I don't think I've ever seen it in real life. Right. Like, yeah. I don't think I've actually... So, so she pushes the camera aside and we get an extreme close-up of the cameraman's eyeball, yeah. which she proceeds to lick. She yeah. starts licking his eyeball. So his eye has kind of become the camera at this point, right? Uh, She's like licking that eyeball. It's so disgusting. Yeah. And <laughs> I didn't realize how... I didn't expect I would be as grossed out by this as I was. It's pretty intense. It is. But I don't know. There's so many... And obviously, I know it's the, the other stuff is fake, but there's so many films like with eyeball torture and shit, like the mm. guinea pig films. And But this is real. But this is real. This is a real eyeball looking. And there's... There was something so, so, so disgusting yeah. about it. And it's like, she's like rubbing her tongue against the eye and the eye is just there, just like fucking bulging hating out of his it. head. Hating oh. every moment of it. It was <laughs> grim. Eyeball licking is not- Don't do that. Right. Yeah. Don't. Don't do it. eyeball. Don't lick an eyeball. Don't lick an eyeball, mate. Not not for me. We've learned- Last but- week we learned, or last episode we learned, don't fuck a dog. This episode we learned, don't lick an eyeball. We're an educational podcast. Very much so. We should put this in the educational category instead of whatever it's in now. <laughs> Film and entertainment. And then when they move into actually having sex, the cameraman and Asuka, it's very it's very weird. And it's very focused on him looking at her. So the whole time right. she's like, look at me, look at me. <laughs> she's doing it. Meanwhile, while this is happening, Kenichi and Yukiko are fucking. And Kikuchi, the director, is very disturbingly having sex with I I found this very uncomfortable to watch. She looks very young. She looks very young yeah. and he's a gross older not that old, but he's like it's just gross. He's it's just gross, it's yeah. very gross. And then oh, I was- <laughs> just to cap this all up. Oh, yeah. So everyone's fucking except the son. Oh Hugo, yeah. <laughs> who is downstairs, walks over to the window looks out and then starts rubbing his boner while the sounds of his family fucking oh, surround him. Oh, man. That's, that's not right, is it? Hugo's got some issues, hasn't he? It's, it's not right. And then we cut to Yuriko, the chainsaw girl, just at the ocean mm. at nighttime, right? And just swinging her chainsaw around, Leatherface style, yeah. screaming at the ocean. Oh, man. Fucking amazing. What it's a, a great what a sequence. Scene. A what a is, sequence. Though, like, I mean, despite all the insanity that we just saw, thanks to the amazing soundtrack, which is really dreamlike, you it feels like you're watching something from afar. You're like you're like witnessing mm. something from afar, and it never feels like you're getting too up close and personal. Mm. And it kind of feels like this weird, like fever dream. Yeah, it, it flows together very nicely, right? Yeah. But yeah, but but it we feel kind of separate from it as well. And everything that happens, despite it being absolutely fucked, is accepted as normal. Mm, mm, mm. As, you know, by all the characters. So I kind of started accepting all these bizarre yeah. things as normal. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> makes sense. And, well, now Asuka's wearing, like, underwear, yeah. you know, in front of her dad while she... <laughs> Yeah. presents a TV show about a kidnapped mum and the son oh, is man. sniffing pants and shit. And it's like, everything is fucked, but the way that it's, like, edited together and thanks to the amazing soundtrack, it just feels like you're watching a surreal dream. Mm. It's awesome. Yeah, it's fucking great. 
So then the next morning, post fuck fest. <laughs> Ooh, I bet that, that house smelled pretty <laughs> bad oh, after gross. that. Gross. Oh, gross. Uh, so the phone rings. Everyone gathers around. Huga answers this time. And Kazuhiko is on the line demanding that they have a birthday party for Minako, the mm. mother. Minako's listening in. She's all dressed up for the event with a tiara on. She Again, looks great. She's like tiara film. Queen Elizabeth or something. Yeah. <laughs> but Hugo starts talking back and he's kind of like winding up Kazuhiko. And Kazuhiko starts to get scared at the seriousness of this situation. And you can also see that he's like very attached mm. to Minako at this point. Yeah. And Minako's trying to calm him down. Kazuhiko just wants to live with Minako at this point, but she wants to go back to being yeah. a housewife and just wants to go back to her normal life. And he sort of pushes her off yeah. screen. I like the way this kind of interaction played out because he's really stressed out. And he's like, come on, let's run away together. Come on, it's be fine. You know, I can look after you. I'll love you. I'll worship you. And she's now had enough and she's you know she's played you know the kidnap game and had a little like fun with this younger man but she's like don't be silly i'm yeah. married Go like back to my i have to life. go now like, yeah it's just been a fantasy for this and it has life. for her it's just been a bit of uh you know fun but he wants to get married to her he does right? we also see like the chainsaw girl yuriko is watching this whole scene play out from mm. outside the window so she's just sort of there in the background for all of this so then the family is preparing for Minako's birthday. Everyone is delighted, except Hugo, the son, mm. who is watching all this madness around him, where his dad's, like, trying, still fucking yeah. Yukiko. She's still there. And, yeah, and Asuka <laughs> and the director are being all weird. Together. Like, he he's the only one that's kind of aware of how mad this situation is. Yeah. So as he's watching his dad making out with Yukiko, who... As a reminder, he fucked earlier in the film, which is quite weird. Uh, he, that would be very fun, <laughs> would it? <laughs> he takes out a kitchen knife and stabs, tries to stab his father, but the father puts Yukigo in front of him. Yeah. What, what, what a kind. Yeah. <laughs> and he stabs her, then stabs the father. And I love this, like, as she's dying, she grabs the dad's dick, mm. the crutch, and she's like, I want penis. <laughs> <laughs> Hugo, one by one, just stabs all of the family members. Mm. Just one by one, he's stabbing them, stabbing them. And you might think, why am I saying this, like, so casually and quickly? Because it's all a dream. <laughs> it's just Another a, fantasy. It's a fantasy scene. He comes out of it. He didn't actually stab anyone. He just stabbed a fucking cake Watermelon. Water oh, yeah, watermelon. <laughs> that's right. So then the party starts, the family singing happy birthday to the camera because, of course, the film crew is still filming this mm. as their, for their sleazy TV show. Kenichi announces, I, I don't know why I found this so funny, but he announces that Yukiko will continue living here, <laughs> helping out with the housework, even when Minako returns. Oh, that's insane. And while this is all happening, all this, like, sort of happy nonsense, yeah. Hugo's sort of talking to himself of, like, no one really cares no. about my mum. There's another phone call. Hugo takes it again. Kazuhiko is now claiming that him and Minako are going to start a new family. Mm. But we cut over to where he's talking from, and Minako is tied up and gagged oh, yeah. to a chair. So he's fucking he's, lost the he's, plot. He's gone off the rails. She manages to break free, though, 
and smashes Kazuhiko over the head with a word processor, a typewriter, typewriter or maybe, yeah. something like that. And <laughs> I love this as well. The chainsaw girl, Yuriko, she's been like watching this whole mm. thing. So she's still by the window. She sees this happen and just smiles and leaves. <laughs> <laughs> so then we cut back to the TV show, The Wanted. But now there's a new host. Ah. So I... The youngest daughter, the teenage daughter, the mm. bulimic one, she's now the host. Yeah. Still got the same commentators, though. Was there any explanation as I guess to it's why just they like changed? The director has taken a liking to her. Right. So I guess he's just replaced Asuka with her. And we're watching the program of Minako returning home to the family. Oh, I loved it. That's oh, so good, right? Like all this like cheesy kind of footage of them having a birthday party. And Minako's being interviewed, saying that she was blindfolded the whole time. She couldn't see the faces of the criminals. And she didn't know where she was being held either. And the commentators, all these piece of shit commentators, they're all, like, very emotional about Mm. this reunion. And Sagawa, the fucking cannibal, in (laughs) in particular, is, like, getting all teary-eyed, talking about how peaceful Japan is. Which I just... (laughs) Fuck! Imagine... God, he's got a cannibal to talk about. Like, how pe- oh, isn't that? It's fucking insane. It's fucked. It's fucked. It's beautiful casting. It's amazing. <laughs> I always have wondered what his relationship to Sagawa is. Mm. Because it's not. he's not only in this film. Mm. I would love to know how they ended up how knowing that each came other. Around. And, yeah, yeah. and what he actually thinks of Sagawa as well. But I did love that reunion footage because we've seen so much fucked up stuff mm-hmm. the kind of essentially behind the scenes of the tv show yeah we're now seeing this false yeah. version of yeah, and it, right? it is yeah. and it's the and the, of the mum like running towards her family like everyone i'm back home and they're all yeah. like cheering her on yeah, and they yeah. were like run together towards her in unison oh. and like cheer and clap and but but it's all just fucking fake it's bullshit. bullshit yeah which oh, is brilliant oh, it's so good and after all this minako and hugo uh, in the living room together, right? Ugh. And Hugo's got these fresh roses out for her. And he comments about how his mum, Minako, is looking much younger now. Then Minako pricks her finger on one of the roses and Hugo comes over and sucks on her finger. Don't suck on your mum's finger. I loved Sato's comment about this because they ask him, like, what's up with the incestuous mm. mother's, mother-son thing? And his comment is... Uh, I have the feeling that mother and son relationships in Japan is actually like this. <laughs> so th- this is how he this is how he sort of sees the mother and son oh. relationship in in Japan in this kind of incestuous oh, no. kind of way. I heard um, a statistic, and you know, you know, you can like Uh-oh, this how many sons fuck their mums. <laughs> no, no, you know, you can see um, by country what uh, genre of porn is oh, popular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And incest in Japan is really high. Really, yeah. Fuck, he's he's maybe right. I think though. it may have even been number one. Wow. That, I love those those stats because it's like why are every why is everyone here into this? You yeah, know? like where does that come from? Sure, weird. Kenichi and Yukiko are still together. I don't know where they're supposed to be, but they're in some ridiculous fucking room, like colorful room, just dancing about, having fun. <laughs> I don't know if they've just moved in together or something. Yeah. Uh, and Asuka has now become a weather woman. And she's, like, doing a forecast, mm. and Sugisaki is filming her and still just saying, like, beautiful, beautiful. Mm. I realized at this scene, 
I didn't go back to rewatch it again. Is the only word that he says in this beautiful? I think so. Yeah. So this cameraman, that's all he says as he films her is beautiful. Yeah. And then we see Ai, who is having a meeting with Kikuchi, the director. She comments about how the chainsaw girl hasn't been caught yet. Kikuchi asks her, have you ever wanted to kill your family? To which she says, I was too busy eating all the time. <laughs> but, <laughs> that's but now, And then she's like, I, mean, I was too busy eating all the time to think about that. But now I'm all grown up. And that's sort of her answer to it. Well, that doesn't <laughs> quite, answer the question. It's quite interesting. <laughs> and then uh, we're back to Minako and Hugo. And Minako's watching her son as he drinks tea. They go over to the curtains, stand by the window, and they both look out together. Quite a romantic oh, <laughs> mother dude. and son shot. Then oh. back, to, back to the beach at night. And our final scene is the chainsaw girl looking out to the ocean. And Kazuhiko, mm. the fake kidnapper comes over and they just have this sort of banal conversation together mm. and the conversation is sort of drowned out by the sound of the waves mm. and that's the end yeah yeah oh man dude by that point i was just like oh he's gonna fuck his mom <laughs> yeah I, it was and I, I was like i was ready to see that like i thought i'd seen so much shit, like, right, i thought here we go and it was funny because there's so much stuff in this film which is absolutely insane but is kind of taken on as just normal mm. standard behavior that by the time he was ready ready to fuck his mum I just I was just like expecting it to happen as if that's the kind of obvious thing to happen mm. I feel like this film <laughs> is amazing because it tricks you yeah. into feeling like feeling some sort of normality whilst watching something which is absolutely insane and mm. so, so, so far from normal. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Yeah. It, I'm it, glad he didn't fuck his mum, yeah, but I thought he was gonna. It really takes you for a ride and <laughs> yeah. yeah, pulls the rug out many, many times, this film. But yeah, like, th- that is kind of why I chose this film. So it's very clearly a Sato film. Mm. Like, it's got a lot of the things that he loves, like the filming stuff the eyeball like like all that sort of stuff but it's also quite tonally different from i think anything else i've seen by him uh yeah in in the pamphlet they compare it to like a black comedy from bunuel Mm. or almodovar or something like that and it is kind of closer to that where it's like this strange black comedy satire with these really fucked up moments I agree with what you said earlier in the podcast as well. Like I mentioned, this is his 50th film and he has got all these cameos. It's got all this, these layers to it. I think that, like you said earlier, I think he's put a lot into this. Mm. And I feel like of all his films, this maybe has the most to say or the, he, he wants to tell so much with this film, right. which is, I think what makes it so interesting. Mm. Uh, and yeah, he, he talks a lot in the interview in that pamphlet about his interests and, mm. you know, the kind of things that he wanted to explore. He says, I, I felt since my debut, like his debut film, that human emotions and senses have become distorted as things become more rationalized. So basically he says, when you are young, you feel a kind of reaction to the world and mm. to to yourself, to your own body. And then as you get older, you the enemy becomes harder to see and you kind of accept right. things. Right. Which I think yeah, is what yeah, yeah. This, this film is, right? Yeah, with this film, he wanted to explore these themes by depicting, like, the the modern Japanese family and the, mm. the confines of, of society. 
I really love the way he unpacks all of that. It's not like he's really saying anything in particular, but he's just exploring it. Mm. Yeah, fuck. What a... It's a fucking crazy film. It is. It is a <laughs> it's great amazing. Film. It's a great film. Yeah. Really I really love this film. This is... I mean, it's not a very good comparison, but did you ever see that movie Mother? Is yes. That Gen- yeah, Gen- yeah, Gen- yeah. Jennifer yeah. Lawrence? Is, yeah, is Jennifer that, Lawrence. Yeah. yeah, I did see so it. Yeah. I watched it. I didn't really like it, but... I, you know, I could see what it was trying to do, but I felt like it didn't achieve what it was trying to do, uh, which was kind of convey this sense of insanity and madness, mm. which is kind of depicted as normal by all the characters involved. But you know, apart from the Jennifer Lawrence character, mm. and I feel like this kind of did a similar thing mm. where everything unfolding on screen was so so insane, but accepted as normal, mm. and it worked here. Yeah, yeah, uh, it didn't work in Mother. And even though, you know, it's kind of, it's a loose uh, comparison, Mm. but here it absolutely nailed it. I think it's quite an apt comparison, actually. Like, I I have complex feelings about Mm. that film. That's an Aronofsky film, right? I think he just is, like, so... I I quite, I do kind of respect that film in Mm -hmm. some ways. Like, I think it does some things really well. But with Aronofsky, he's so fucking heavy-handed. Right. It becomes kind of comical to me. Whereas this film is not heavy-handed. This mm. is like quite a light approach to those themes and maybe that's why it works maybe. better because it really, you know, it goes along with the insanity. It and, does. And it and it, it works. And yeah. it does because you're watching it and whilst you're watching it, and at least for me, you know, I kind of just accepted everything as normal because that's what the characters are doing that I didn't really realize I was watching anything that fucked. Yeah. But then Thinking back to what I just witnessed, I was like, "Wow, this film was yeah. this this was insane." But I didn't <laughs> yeah. feel like it was insane mm. when I was watching it, which I think is the genius of it. Yeah, I I really do love this film. It's one of my favorites from him. Mm, for sure. Yeah, and I have probably seen about an even number of pink films and non-pink films by him now, and I think this kind of cemented my thought that I like his non-pink efforts more than his pink films. This was a knockout film. Mm. Mm. I think of his, his like, non-pink films, if, if you can put it in that category as we discussed yeah, earlier. Yeah, I think you can. It basically <laughs> is, yeah. I think this is the best of his non-pink stuff, in, mm. in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, yeah, love it. I like the way every... Even though... You know, it, it was there was the surrounding story. Every single character had their own like weird dynamic. Mm. So there was all these like strange pockets, mm. um, of weird like subplots that we kind of just like ventured down. Whether it be like the sun liking flowers and fucking a, a mm. widow, and like the weird BDSM fetish bulimia story, chicken up the bum, chicken up the bum. <laughs> there was it, even though the chainsaw girl was the surrounding story. Mm. It felt more like the kidnapping was the surrounding story. And then we went into each of the pockets mm. of the own characters. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. There was not like a single dull moment. Love it. Love it. Wrong amateur. So how wrong the film is, how fucked up it is, how much it shouldn't exist. I think for this one, I think like you said, it kind of, it maybe tricks you into thinking it's not that fucked up. Mm. But when you actually step back, and look at it from with a bit of distance. Yeah. It is very fucked. Sure. And it has moments that are absolutely disgusting. <laughs> like yeah. the vomit, the eyeball licking. I think I'm going to go for a seven for okay. this one. 
How about you? I'm going to go for a six. As a film itself, I fucking loved it. And I rank it like a nine or a ten mm. as a film. Wrongometer, I think it did what it came to do. It was a great film. They had some fucked up stuff. Mm. Uh, for me personally, like the, the vomit thing, the vomit doesn't gross me out too much. I've seen mm. a lot worse. Um, the eyeball yeah. one was grim. That's full on. That was full on. <laughs> yeah. I think for me, it was more like the, the, the thing that was wrong was just, just everyone going nuts but just us, the viewer, accepting it as normal. Mm, and the mm. fact that I didn't even question the fact that it was going nuts. Yeah, I yeah. felt like, you know, I felt like I've been lured in some, into some weird, like, alternative reality where insanity is just reality. It was, mm. it was brilliant. Love it. Six. Six for me. But as a film, a nine. I'd say a ten for me. For, uh, this is my, one of my favorites. That's a fire. sexy rating. <laughs> You're going to have to give me that pamphlet and I'll, I'll write a few more sentences about the mum's boobs. <laughs> and also, for before we get into what we've got coming up next. Right. Next week, and actually next week, oh. we might have a mini related to Sato mm. very directly. <laughs> very directly. So keep an eye on that next week. Some more Sato stuff coming at you. The third appearance. The third appearance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, what do we have for the next episode, the next main episode? All right. Um, let's venture away from Japan for a wee slice. We've been been there for a while now. Yeah, yeah. There, here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, let's uh, go somewhere else. Hong Kong. Oh, yeah. Is he, is he the one or the <laughs> other, isn't it? It's like Japan or Hong Kong. <laughs> and next time, we'll be covering bloody buns. Yeah. I've been looking forward to that one. Can't wait. It's not great. Oh, it's not great? <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Bloody buns, everyone. Bloody buns. Get involved. Get those bloody buns ready to go. <laughs> and as always, please follow us on Twitter at SMSW Podcast. And if you want, you can send us an email at showmesomethingwrong at gmail.com. Don't ask for dog and aunt. Remember, we don't have it. Come on, guys. It's 2024. We <laughs> What does that mean? No, that's last year's episode. Yeah, come on. Leave, yeah, it, yeah. leave it in the past, man. Fuck off. Last Dog years. and I. Old news, mate. Old news. <laughs> Bloody buttons. <laughs>